Hello. Welcome to the legend of Robin Hood of Sherwood. Chapter 19. Kings do not live forever. Keep it, said the sheriff, for kings do not live forever. Robin Hood smiled briefly and nodded. Then he strode from Nottingham Castle and went back to Loxley. There, for five years, he lived with Marion, tending the land and peacefully going about his business. Will Scarlet set himself up in business and became a miller. Much the miller's son was his partner. Little John still served his master, but peacefully and with a salary. Diligently, he protected Sherwood as Robin's chief forester. Friar Tuck gave them all holy sustenance. Meanwhile, Prince John, Abbot Hugo, Sir Guy of Gisborne and the Sheriff of Nottingham bided their time and sulked, while Roger the Cruel had disappeared completely after the fall of evil hold. King Richard, fearless, bold and strong, fought foreign wars, spending little time in England. But the king was young and could be expected to reign over the land for a long time. Even if he was abroad, his brother did not dare go against him. It seemed that Robin Hood had won. But kings do not live for ever. And so the rumours started. Rumours that King Richard was dead. Robin didn't believe them. He remembered what had happened a few years previously. There had been plenty of rumours that the king was no more, but they'd turned out to be false. This was just the same thing again. Prince John trying to spread misinformation. Robin knew the prince would need real proof before he acted. Otherwise, on his brother's return, the prince was a dead man. In the summer, five years after his official pardon, Robin travelled to Nottingham. He went there once a month or so to hear mass in the cathedral. He always went alone. There was no danger now. But this time, there was nervousness. Nobody could put a finger on quite what was wrong, but there was general unease. Little John begged Robin to take some men with him this time. Marion implored her husband to take extra care. Robin, though, brushed off their words. Alone and without a care, he set off for the city. Marion and Little John watched him go. Oh, John, I'm suddenly so afraid, said Marion. It feels like the good times are coming to an end. Go after him, please, make sure he's safe. Little John nodded. Then he picked up his bow and his sword and set out for Nottingham, being careful to ensure that Robin didn't see him. The warden of Sherwood entered the church and sat in quiet meditation. He sat through the service, feeling unusually calm and serene. When he left the building, he was in good spirits. He strode out into the bright sunshine and was immediately seized by twelve armed men. At the head of the ambush party was the Sheriff of Nottingham himself. "'What's the meaning of this?' shouted Robin. "'King Richard will have you hanged for this outrage. I am a free man subject to him alone.' The Sheriff simply smiled. Robin Hood knew, without an iota of doubt, that there was something very wrong. His captor spoke. "'It is by the King's orders that I am here,' said the Sheriff. He has come secretly to Nottingham and asked me to bring you to him. Relief flooded through the former outlaw. The king wanted to see him. That meant the king must be back in England and the rumours were false. Robin almost grinned. He hadn't believed the stories of Richard's death anyway. Still, he wasn't sure why he'd been accosted by a group of heavily armed men rather than just being invited to the castle. He motioned he would come peacefully and the men let him go. Feeling even more reassured, Robin Hood followed the Sheriff of Nottingham into his castle. When they reached the mighty fortification, they entered by a back door. They didn't go into the Great Hall, and they didn't go into the Sheriff's office. Instead, they climbed the staircase up the highest tower. "'Where are you taking me?' asked Robin. "'To the King,' replied the Sheriff. 
The king does not hold court in a turret top. Ah, but Robin of Loxley, you forget, he has come here in secret. Higher and higher they climbed until they reached the door to the turret room. The sheriff opened it and they entered a small room barely six feet across. Sitting on a chair in the corner of the room, wearing an enigmatic smile, was a familiar figure. So, we meet again, Robin Hood, it said. Robin Hood gasped, and then he spoke. I don't know what you have planned, but beware. The king will not let you off a second time. If you harm me, it's treason, and he will hang you. You may be the brother of the king, but you will not escape his wrath. Your minion here has tricked me into coming with false stories about the king wanting to see me. Richard will not take kindly to this. Think very carefully about your next move. The Sheriff of Nottingham struck Robin viciously across the face. How dare you speak to the king in that way? Shut your vile mouth, you dog. And then the truth dawned on Robin Hood. Open-mouthed, he looked over at Prince John, but he wasn't looking at a prince. The King of England rose and spoke very quietly. Richard, my brother, lies dead in Normandy. He was struck down by an arrow outside the castle of Chalutz a few days ago. He died of his wound last week. I was brought the fine news a couple of days ago, and I verified that it is indeed true. Soon we will announce that King John now reigns, but I thought I'd keep it secret for a few days so I can entrap certain traitors more easily. You, Robin Hood, are top of the list. This is a cruel revenge. We were right about you. You are evil to the core. Okay, slay me, but be prepared for the revenge of the men of Sherwood. Robin knelt down and offered his neck. The sheriff seemed about to oblige, but hesitated. It was clear that this was not the plan. Oh, no, 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 admonished the king. That would just be too simple and not nearly cruel enough. In a few minutes, the sheriff and I will leave this room. The door will be locked, and then my masons will build a wall across the doorway on the other side. You will be sealed in here, and you will pray for death. There is a small window with bars up there. The bars, no doubt, will give way if you work hard enough at them, and then you have two other choices. You can jump, fling yourself to your death, or you can use the rope which I am kindly providing to you. So, you can starve to death in this sealed room, you can die in a bloody mess on the ground, or you can dangle from my sheriff's window for all the city to see. The choice is yours. King John stood and marched from the room without another word. The sheriff followed him. Robin heard the key in the lock, and then, a few minutes later, the unmistakable sound of bricklaying. After a couple of hours, this noise stopped. Robin knew he was sealed in. There was no escape through the door. He pulled at the bars in the window. The king had been right. It wouldn't take too long to wrench them from their moorings. He pulled a couple free and looked out. He could see the sun setting over Sherwood. It looked red and angry. Below him there was a drop of 120 feet, and it was a drop onto cold, hard stone. There was no way he could jump. He looked over at the rope. Somewhere deep inside it seemed to be his friend. For a brief moment he considered using it. Then he thrust the thought from his mind and reached inside his tunic. There he found a tiny silver bugle horn. Despite th searching him thoroughly, the sheriff's men had not found it. Leaning out of the window, Robin blew on the horn as hard as he could. A moment or two passed, the longest moments of Robin's life. And then he heard it. Echoing from the direction of Sherwood came the answering bugle call. It was Little John. Robin sat back and waited. 
he knew that something would be done. After an hour or two more, the daylight had nearly gone, as the angry red sun dipped below the horizon. Robin, sat alone in the room, was startled by a sudden clatter. The captive jumped up to find an arrow at his feet. Tied to the arrow was a thin strand of rope. Tied to the thin strand of rope, after a foot or two, was a thicker rope. Thick enough, hoped Robin, to bear his weight. Robin pulled the rope through the window and then tied the end to a metal ring which protruded from the wall. Clearly this turret room had been used as a prison before. Pulling it tight and praying it would hold him, Robin Hood began to climb down the rope. He climbed down and he prayed even harder, hoping that if the rope frayed he would be near enough to the ground to be not too badly hurt when he fell. As it was, it held out until he was twenty feet from safety. Then the constant rubbing of the rope against the window frame was too much for the tightrope of safety. It snapped and Robin fell to the ground. The former warden of Sherwood dragged himself to his feet to find little John standing over him. Quickly, come quickly, there's a secret way out. Two horses await us behind the walls. The formerly bright sunny day had descended into a squally rainy night. Robin and John galloped all the way to Loxley Hall. There Robin gathered up those of the former merry men who worked there and made for Robber's Glade. Little John rode to find the rest of the band and warn them. Before an hour had passed, Will Scarlet, Friar Tuck, Alan Dale, Georgia Green, Much the Miller's Son, Maid Marian and the rest had joined their master at their former base. Little John then rode to the edge of the forest to see if any men had yet been dispatched to apprehend the escapee. He was right to do so, as the sheriff had heard Robin escape and sent twenty men almost immediately. Unfortunately for the giant outlaw, he happened to emerge from the forest at the exact moment that the pursuers were about to enter it. Without any time to react, not being a match for twenty men, Little John had no chance. He was swiftly captured and led off towards Nottingham. Back in Robber's Glade, Robin made the gloomy announcement. My friends, I have grave news. King Richard is dead. Our land is now ruled over by King John and our happy days are at an end. We are outlaws once more. I was lucky to escape from Nottingham Castle with my life today. It's only thanks to brave little John that I am here at all. And then his heart sank. Where was little John? He should have been there by now. Robin took a quick decision. Will, Tuck, George, come with me now. Bring twenty men. I think little John is in trouble. The men packed up with haste and mounted their horses. Within ten minutes they were on their way. Half an hour later they were at the edge of the forest. There they met a friend of theirs who confirmed the bad news. Thirty minutes or so earlier the Sheriff of Nottingham himself had been leading twenty or so men and they had a prisoner. The prisoner was so tall that he was tied up and draped over two horses. Come on Robin, there's no time to lose. We have to rescue brave John before they reach Nottingham. After your escape they will guard any prisoner even more carefully. He's done for if they get him to the castle. They'll hang him as an example. Robin appeared to hesitate. A leader needs to think clearly about his actions, but Will urged him on. Come on Robin, I would rather die than let little John be hanged. Robin, suddenly very decisive, nodded. He spoke urgently to the men. OK, let's go. Ride swiftly and silently. Then the Lord of Sherwood reached into his quiver. From it he withdrew an arrow. But it wasn't just any old arrow. On it was a signature. It was the arrow that the Sheriff of Nottingham had autographed years before. It seemed to Robin that this may be the time the arrow would be needed. 
Something told him that somebody important was going to die that day, and he'd rather it was the sheriff than himself. The merry men drove their horses hard, and were soon in sight of the captors of Little John. Robin Hood spotted his comrade, tightly bound and being carried by two horses, and then he saw the sheriff of Nottingham proudly leading the force. Robin bade his men to halt. The sheriff's party were within shooting distance. Robin placed an arrow loosely in the string of his bow. Then he paused and raised the weapon and released a bolt. True and straight, the arrow buried itself into the head of one of the horses carrying little John. The horse fell to the ground, as did the prisoner, who woke up somewhat confused. "'Ah, ambush!' cried the sheriff, drawing his sword. "'On, men! Five marks for every one we capture. Fifty for Robin Hood, thirty for Will Scarlet or the Fat Friar. Dead or alive!' Robin's second arrow dropped one of the sheriff's men, and Will's first did the same. When the merry men finally encountered the party, they found there were nearer fifty men than twenty. Swords drawn, they charged in. The men of Sherwood remembered the fight against Damon the pirate, and fought just as hard. Men from both sides fell, as the road to Nottingham became splattered with blood. Soon there were only a few left from either side. One of the merry men fought hand-to-hand with the sheriff, He was getting the upper hand, and it seemed certain that the Lord of Nottingham would fall. But suddenly both men were distracted. Robin Hood cried out as a sword pierced his tunic and cut him sharply on the breast. The sheriff and his adversary instinctively turned their heads. The sheriff, having no interest in Robin Hood being saved, recovered his wits first. He raised his sword high in the air as his opponent dragged his eyes from Robin. The Sherwood man was just too late. He tried to turn back, but he simply didn't have time. The Sheriff of Nottingham danced round behind him and plunged his sword downward. The merry man found himself with a sword in his back, penetrating his lungs. He writhed around on the ground for a few minutes as the life ebbed from his body. After those few minutes, he was dead. The Sheriff tried to retrieve his sword, but it was too deeply buried. He grabbed one from a fallen comrade and carried on fighting. The sword play continued. Many other comrades from Sherwood fell. The sheriff's men, though, fell even more quickly. Before long, there were only a very few left on either side. It was then that Robin Hood noticed little John was lying on the ground. One of the horses bearing him had been killed, and the other had bolted. The leader of the merry men raised his number two to his feet and threw him a sword. They were about to deal the final blow to the sheriff and his men when they looked down. The sheriff... Realising what was about to happen, turned and ran. Robin's eyes widened in horror. Lying on the ground was a dead man, dressed in bright red. Blood stained the tunic, but nobody could have told, such was the hue of the fabric. From the lifeless back protruded a broadsword, previously wielded by the Sheriff of Nottingham. For the first time in his life, Robin Hood lost control of his thoughts. Grief flooded through his person. His best friend was lying dead on the ground in front of him. Robin Hood stood up, tears running uncontrollably down his face, and drew an arrow from his quiver. Will Scarlet, he shouted, this is for you. And with that he raised the bow and placed the named arrow in the notch. Then, without further speech, he fired. Next time, we'll find out if the named arrow hits its prescribed target. So, until then, have a great couple of weeks and I'll speak to you next time.